You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. You're listening to Stage Door Podcast, the podcast celebrating theatre and creativity from onstage mishaps to career-defining moments. Hosted by thespians myself, Tori, and co-host Eliza, fortnightly we will bring you industry professional guests, deep dives, and more. Hello everyone and welcome back to Stage Door Podcast. Today we are joined by phenomenal performer and current cast member of the Rocky Horror Show, Deidre Koo. Before we get started, I would like to acknowledge that I am on Gadigal land. And I am on Taval land, the traditional custodians of the land on which we work, live and record and we recognise that sovereignty was never ceded. Deidre Koo is a Singapore-born actor who relocated to Australia to pursue a career in the arts. She graduated from the Western Australian Academy of Performing Arts, otherwise known as WAPA, to do a Bachelor of Music Theatre, having trained in MT, film and television. She made her professional debut in Darlinghurst Theatre Company's production of Once as ex-girlfriend, swing and dance captain, in which she performed the leading role of girl on several occasions to great acclaim. Deirdre is currently playing the leading lady, Janet Weiss, in the 50th anniversary tour of Rocky Horror Show in Australia. Deidre is extremely excited by new works in Australia and recently recorded an audio experience album for Ruth the Musical by Isaac Shatford as Dala Wren under the direction of Hayden T. To prove that Deidre is a jack of all trades, she also previously acted as the assistant director to Jason Langley in VCA's production of The Hello Girls in 2021. Deidre's credits start from when she originated the role of Julia O'Brien in a new musical called 2084 that premiered in Western Australia. Her notable credits include Alison Vernon Williams in Cry Baby, Maggie or Vocal Captain in A Chorus Line, and Rosie in Mamma Mia, just to name a few. In 2020, Deirdre was a semi-finalist in the inaugural Artists of Colour AOC initiative. Please welcome to the mic, Deirdre. Hello, hello. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. We are so excited to chat to you today about your whole career and also this 50th anniversary tour of Rocky Horror, which is incredible. Thanks for having me on. This is exciting. <laughs> we, are, we are so excited to chat to you today. Reading through your bio, I found it really interesting that you relocated to Australia to pursue theatre. What, what is that like? Is, is theatre in Singapore really different to Australia? How does that differ from um, the different countries? I'll be real upfront with you guys because I relocated when I was 16 years old. I don't actually know that much about Singaporean theatre. That is so (laughs) fun. (laughs) I I do have friends in um, the theatre scene and the TV and, and entertainment industry. And like there's a whole different world in Singapore. Like the TV world, there's so much local productions being made there. So there's a lot of that kind of content being produced but theatre in Singapore live theatre specifically a lot of the musicals that go there or the plays are actually touring companies from Australia or the UK or America so it's very interesting to see that kind of theatre in Singapore um, because there are no local stuff not that much happening at least I don't say it nothing happens in Singapore. Um, (laughs) There are a couple of really good drama schools there, like Lazelle and NAFA, which uh, National 
Arts, uh, National Academy of Fine Arts, I think. Um, yeah, but it's not as well known. Like in Australia, there are drama curriculums in school. Yeah, yeah. You guys yeah. have that, but yeah. in Singapore, it's 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 such a weird thing. Like I came to Australia and knowing that drama is part of the, the curriculum here, I was like, I really wished that I had that in school because everything that we had was, um, I don't know, badminton, sports, yeah, volleyball, netball, table tennis, but yeah. it's not very artistic. No. Um, so I just wish we had that. Like, how did you then find theatre? How did you kind of get into wanting to do musical theatre in general? I was very much of a Disney kid, so like at the age of three, four, five, you know, I'd be in the car and my mum would play Mary Poppins or Moulin Rouge and stuff like that, and I would grow up singing along to the songs. It's all very exciting, but (laughs) it didn't actually come about till I did K-pop at 10, 11 years old. I joined like a K-pop school in Singapore, and there were teachers that you know, just trained us in singing and dancing. And then there was this one time when I was 14 years old, I went to Korea just to do like an exchange K-pop thing. And I went to my, its it wasn't my first experience with a musical, but it was the first time that I was moved by theatre. And it was a local production about a local singer that had passed away, but was really, really popular in the 70s. And at the time, I was like, why am I wasting my time in the pop world where I don't actually see myself belonging there anyway? And yeah, that musical really touched me and said to me, I said to myself pretty much, I want to be telling stories on stage, but with singing and dancing, because why not? And then I came back to Singapore and I watched a... I watched Greece touring in Singapore, actually, with Gretel Scarlett, who had graduated from WAPA. Amazing. And I was so, so taken with her as Sandy. And I saw in the newspaper that she went to the school called WAPA. <laughs> and then I went to my mum saying, I'm going to that school. <laughs> oh, come on now. That's great. And at 16, I was like, I am leaving Singapore. I'm going to that school called Whopper. I'm yeah. going to live my music theatre dreams. Oh, my gosh. And you made that a reality. That's insane. A lot of time, a lot of money and a lot of hard yeah. work. Yeah. yeah. That is amazing. And I can't believe that they have K-pop schools so is that like to train you to become k-pop stars is that kind of i don't know is that right is that what it is i'm just so shook yeah well in singapore i think there's a couple of schools that just teach the k-pop choreographies right i love that yeah the really popular like bts uh Blackpink choreographies, we just go to those lessons and they just recreate all those music videos and stuff. So that was part of it. That is so fun. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. And I guess t- talking about WAPA, so you obviously you completed your Bachelor of Music Theatre at WAPA. What was your experience like studying? Because I guess also you spent such a large portion of your younger life in Singapore, but then to move to Australia to then go into such a hard 
field. What was that like? Yeah, um, my experience at WAPA was... I had to think very hard on this question, actually, because I think I had rose-tinted glasses going into the institution because, you know, I had been in Australia since I was 16 years old and I only got in when I was, like, 19 or 20. Yeah. Um, and I thought Whopper was the be-all and end-all. It's not. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we all think that. <laughs> Don't worry, we were all there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I was over the moon when I got into Whopper and, you know, did the three years of training. And don't get me wrong, I will not undo that experience. I'm so incredibly grateful for everything that Whopper has given me, the opportunities, the training, the inside knowledge. But going into those institutions, drama school, any drama school in Australia at all, comes with, you know, their risks of how the system has been created and what kind of foundations it's been built on. Mm-hmm. So our year at WAPA was the most diverse that WAPA has ever seen. Oh, wow. And there were four people of colour <laughs> oh out of God. 20. Yeah. Yeah, so that was quite a bit of a shock to the system, you know? Yeah, definitely. It's kind of like, wow, you're so diverse, but then there's only four people out of yeah. that yeah. many. Yeah, like you can't really call this so diverse. (laughs) Yeah, and the really, really messed up part about it is that um, when we were all waiting to find out about who got into WAPA, I remember before I got the call, I had a couple of friends message me as, oh, I got in, and stuff like that. And then when I found out my other Asian friend got in who is female identifying I pretty much broke down and cried to my partner saying oh they've taken an Asian woman in they're not going to take me in that was my reality at the time yeah Yeah. so for me to get the call saying that I got into WAPA was actually kind of shocking because I didn't expect it at all but then you see how that that mindset was already ingrained in me and it's such a not progressive system no I I think that's a lot of the universities have to learn I think that's a big a lot of it is is also privilege that comes with being able to have enough money to go to all the dance classes the singing classes and all of that that comes with auditioning and so some some of these institutions have a lot to learn in terms of that and in mm-hmm. terms of the diversity within their cohorts, for sure. Yeah. I think, and to nowhere near the same extent as um, the BIPOC community, but I've had similar experiences of going, oh, they've already got a plus-size girl. I'm not going to get in, and that's how it is. But that's it's it's sucks that that's kind of how we're almost conditioned to think about these opportunities, and then... There is the thought of, you know, that we've all had imposter syndrome of going, okay, but now why am I here? Why was I selected? Was it because I'm talented or was it because they were trying to tick a box? Yeah, and it's made us, you know, kind of competitive in a sense that we go into the three years knowing that we have to compete 
I don't like to say compete, but we, you know, we're working with 20 people in the cohort and four of us need to work so much harder just to be seen. Yeah, mm. but I, I do really appreciate the little things that, you know, Whopper has provided, yeah. like doing semi-professional shows while you're there, learning the ropes, you know, mic checks, stuff like that, how to work backstage, the little things that people don't tell you Yeah, when you come into mm. the industry, they just expect you to know. So that's provided me, you know, that positive experience, whereas... Mm. The negative parts, I feel like we all understand. (laughs) Yeah. I guess kind of moving out of university into the industry, do you have any advice for those who are currently about to head into the industry on, you know, or even sharing your experience on how it went for you after university and how you kind of started your career? Mm. The biggest advice I feel like I would give to anyone going into the industry is to really think about the art and not about yourself because I think I went into the industry right after COVID and COVID Mm. gave us a lot to think about why we're in the industry and why we want to stick it out (laughs) Yeah. yeah and when I got once it was kind of the turning point for me, really, I went in almost having such a seeing that distant light in the future. I was like, oh, this is dying. Yeah. yeah. But going into once, it really reignited about why I wanted to be on stage, why I want to tell stories. It is what the audience wants. It is what mm-hmm. they need from you at that point in time. And rather than thinking about oh I really want to succeed I want to do this I want to do that I think about why they need this and I think that's yeah. the biggest thing that I'm just currently carrying with me at the moment throughout my career I think COVID made us all realize just I think we as artists always knew how important theater and the arts in general how important they are but I think it also made a lot of other people realize as well just how important it is and it also I think made artists yeah really question why we do this with everything that we have like the reason that we continue doing it like I feel like if you don't have a legitimate passion and drive for it you will stop because it's we know the joy that it not only brings us but the people that get to view the work that we perform in and create. I've had people message me while I was on the show and either seeing my TikToks as Janet or you know having come to the show I received a couple of really really beautiful messages of like it is so important and I'm so grateful that you're in this role because my mum's told me to give up on acting because we Asian people have been stereotyped in the entertainment industry for so long and you've just reignited that that passion and that light for me so I'm really thankful and I'm like, obviously, because if you can see it, you can be it. That that few messages keeps me going every day. I'm like, it doesn't matter who's in the audience, how many people are there. If I get to inspire that one person that looks like me or looks like Laredo, you know, I want them to feel like they can do this. Yes. And it's tangible. Yes. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Especially you um, are inspiring the, you know, you're giving the inspiration that we might not have had growing up for the next generation of performers to get out there and to do their thing and to have confidence that even though it's so hard, it can be done because they can see that it's being done. And by such a beautiful, diverse group of people. And the more and more that diversity comes to the forefront of theatre in Australia, the more of the younger generation, the next generation will have the confidence to go out and make it happen. Yeah, like, I think it was last year when, it was it two years ago when Hamilton was released on Disney Plus? Yes. 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 There were so many TikToks of, like, parents videoing their little kids. And be like, Mommy, that looks like me. That was just so beautiful to watch. And some of them just broke my heart. I'm like, I didn't really have that as a kid. I think the first experience with me was um, with Kathleen on High Five. Oh, yes. Yeah, I was just like, that was the closest experience. Um, I grew up watching High Five and I was like, I love Kathleen. Everyone's like, I love Charlie. I love Steve, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, I love Kathleen. (laughs) (laughs) Love Kathleen, okay. (laughs) I know. I was so upset when Kathleen was leaving for maternity leave. But then when Sun came up and replaced Kathleen, I was like, oh, okay. Another person that looks like me. It is really important to see to see some, see yourself on stage and especially like playing such a huge role like Janet. It's so like you are the lead of the show. You are leading an Australian show. Like for people to see that and that be a reason for them to pursue this. It's such a great, I don't know, it warms my heart to think about that, that someone will see you on stage and go, yeah, I'm going to be just like you, how you thought, oh, that person went to Whopper. Someone sitting in the audience going, oh my God, Deidre's amazing. I'm going to go to Whopper now. <laughs> <laughs> I hope those stories happen. Yeah, yeah. they will. Uh, they, they, will. they absolutely <laughs> will. And it's, it's so exciting to have very slowly – but surely having shows on stage where the whole cast can represent everyone that's watching the show Mm. and represent the insane cultural melting pot that is Australia because it is, that's what Australia is and that's what we want the world to know about Australia as well. So it's just... What it's so have? exciting. <laughs> it opens up the audiences as well. When you're yes. like, you know, when I was, I remember when I was in ones, I remember there were so many Asian people that came to watch the show because Jen was Filipino, Victoria was Filipino. Yes. Um, I'm of Singaporean Chinese descent. And you see those people coming in and we're like, oh, how did you guys know about it? And they were like, oh, yeah, because we saw the posters and stuff like that and we thought yeah. it could be interesting. Opens it up to an entirely different group of people who can see a show and not necessarily just witness it from the outside but feel like they can actually really be a part of it. It's so, so exciting. And you've – obviously, we've kind of spoken about it a little bit, but you've done a few other behind-the-scenes roles like assistant director, vocal captain, and dance captain. How did you find that – holding these roles helped you grow as a performer? You really look into so many different aspects of art in deeper, in a deeper sense. 
Hmm. Like, assistant directing with Jason was such a beautiful experience. I only did a few weeks because I had to leave for once. Yeah. But it was that experience of being in the room, but on the other side of the table, seeing how Jason works with text and how he works with actors Hmm. that shone a light on so many different things, like how you how different each process have each actor's processes are and how you work with them mm. as a part of the creative team because yeah. not everyone's languages are the same you also learn you know the language that you use with everyone i say this because like i was taught singing and i had to change my accent i currently sound like this but I didn't always sound like this. I had a Singaporean accent and I actually really adapted to this accent because I felt like I wasn't being accepted into the community and stuff like that. But that was because of the language that, you know, several people used mm. on me that made me feel like I needed to fit in. Yeah. yeah. So learning those different terminologies of what each person needs and wants Mm. that was a big big learning point for me even just as a performer now you know going to each of my castmates and knowing what they need from me what they don't need from me yeah is so important yeah and stuff like vocal captaining isn't really a thing in the industry like the professional industry but it is I've never never heard of a vocal captain before. What I did with Chorus Line was, I think it's very similar to like part of the MD's job. So I would warm people up Mm. every, before every rehearsal, like on the keys, we just do scales Mm. and stuff like that, making sure that, you know, all the typical warm up stuff. Yeah. Um, But then I would go through the music and make sure that everything's in order, like the cutoffs for this section, the dynamics and stuff like that. So it's very similar to what an MD does. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But I got to do that, so it was just illuminating. Yeah, that's actually fantastic because you can take that with you then, obviously, into the industry. And I mean, obviously, being dance captain as well, that is because you've almost got everyone's tracks in your mind constantly and having to like follow up and make sure like everyone's keeping on their marks it must keep your brain so active for when you do something like rocky horror because you can just jump in and you're like oh I know where you stand I know where you stand (laughs) you know exactly where you need to be at at all times (laughs) yeah that really ticked my brain in once because we were dancing we were singing and we were playing instruments at the same time oh my god (laughs) and I was also like the female understudy for all the female identifying characters. So I pretty much knew. God, (laughs) that's a lot. That's a lot of characters. Mm -hmm. I knew the entire script back to front. Oh my God. Your brain must work in incredible ways. (laughs) It was very intense, but I loved it so much because I love the show so, so much. It's such a beautiful show. And I'm so bummed that I can't go back to it, but you know what? Rocky Horror is beautiful as well. Yes, It's as if you're doing eight shows a week (laughs) as a a lead in another show. 
It's crazy. An Australian touring show. I can't too. believe it. Oh my god. Yeah. What? I guess uh, <laughs> breaking things up a little bit, we're going to do a little bit of a game now. This is one of our new games for the season. Well, not new now. It's been it's been in place for a few episodes now, so listeners will understand. <laughs> but it is called Swipe Left or Right. So it's a bit of a dating show game for different trends or things or just questions, just different things we're going to ask you about. So swiping left means it's a no. Swiping right means Mm -hmm. it's a yes. So I I guess we're just going to kickstart it off. The first one is movie musicals. Right. Absolute right. Yeah. Imagine if you said left and you're in Rocky Horror. Yes, please, left. Sorry, my answer was left. <laughs> they just call on the phone. They're like, so we need to talk. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so what you said. <laughs> yes, my company manager is like, excuse me? Yeah. <laughs> okay, the next one is kind of quite the trend right now, but Frank Green water bottles. Oh, absolute right. Yeah. Right, right, and right. Okay, I think we know the answer to this one, but Disneyland. Oh, right. Yes. <laughs> We're all oh, Disney. Most magical place in the world. Are we all Disney kids? Yes. Yes. Huge Disney yes. kids. Yes. Yes. Oh. Absolutely. Someone, someone said Disney kids are weird, and and sorry, Disney adults are weird. I think they're weird. I think yeah. they're weird. I feel like if I meet someone that doesn't like Disney, that. They they were like a psychopath. All right, the next one could be interesting. Left or right on McDonald's? Uh, <laughs> super swipe. Super swipe. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I didn't know that was an option. You're the first one to yes. use that. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess the lucky last question is bootlegs. Left, right. Oh. Left, right. <laughs> left, but a right. Mmm. It's We're like publicly left. Personally right. Yes. <laughs> I think I'm on the same page as you. Though. I don't know what you guys are talking about. I just happened to find a, a Boy Falls Out of Tree slime tutorial. Oh, um, gosh, I yeah. Mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't use bootlegs. I use slime tutorials. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No. Never. Well, thank you so much for playing our beautiful new game, Swipe Left and Right. <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> That's a little bit so everyone can get to know you a little. And I guess um, one of the main reasons we're here today is to talk about Rocky Horror. So you're currently playing Janet in Rocky Horror. Was yes. this a dream role for you? And how have you put your own stamp on it? This wasn't, I say it wasn't, past. This wasn't a dream role, but it was definitely a dream come true. Mm. Um, I think I didn't realise the parallels between myself and Janet until I started doing it. Because when I auditioned for it, I was like, oh, I'm not going to get Janet. I don't know. You know, it's such a big role. I don't know if I see myself in that, um, in her shoes. But you know what? They believed in me and I'm thankful that they did because I have found so many parallels between me and Janet. Like, I, I said I'm from Singapore 
and I only moved to Australia when I was 16 years old. So pretty much growing up in a quite a traditional family, I didn't know any better. Mm. My world was this small and it wasn't anyone's fault. It was just because we don't know any better. Mm. And then coming to Australia, learning things about myself emotionally, physically, intellectually and stuff like that. I got to mix with different people of different backgrounds and learning that there is so much to the world that I don't already know. And that is so much of Janet and Brad's story. Mm. It's two ordinary kids. Yeah. And then being thrown into this castle and having the craziest night of their lives. It was one night. Yeah. I one night. It's one night. That's like insane for one night. <laughs> a lot happens in a one night. Lot. A lot. <laughs> With a lot of different people. Like, mm, I, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I really went there. Yeah. A lot of people. Oh, oh yes. Yes. <laughs> it's a very intense night for them. Yeah. But they learn so much about themselves, as I did emotionally, physically, uh, intellectually. And we learned that, you know, we're just specks of beings on earth we are so we are so tiny we are particles you know that just throws me off in 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 rocky when it zooms out in the movie and you're just in the universe Mm. spinning around you're like yeah this is very existential i mean yeah i mean that whole space aspect of the show as well i mean spoilers (laughs) But it is, you know, the show has been out for 50 years now. So <laughs> hopefully it's not too bad. But yeah. Yeah. It is otherworldly. Yeah. There is so much that is similar between our stories. And I like to bring this to Janet, um, my cultural background, because they've consciously cast me in her position. It's... I bring my story every night. It's not just an an ordinary girl just coming to stage. I bring my Asian background and Mm. how I grew up to Janet. You know, when I think about how, what Janet's background is probably like, she's an Asian woman in the fifties. So she must have had a bit of money in her family to yeah. have moved to America and migrated there and started a life, started a good life for themselves yeah. to be able to, you know, go to a decent school, meet a decent partner, yeah. and have that affluence in life. So there's a lot of my background in my head going, I can bring this to Janet, and that adds so much layers, so many more layers to the character than she already has you know in the past oh that's so exciting I can't wait to watch it because I I would love to see that your own added element of what you're bringing to the role and I think that's the exciting thing whenever you see anyone do the role yeah even my 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 wig color because um I think I've chatted about this before on Instagram or something but we had a chat about you know if the blonde 
blonde wig was going to be put on me or if they're going to make a wig that is my hair color and the director was gorgeous at the early stages of rehearsal he asked me was like what do you think your wig color should be and I was like I don't mind being put in a blonde wig or brunette wig or a black wig because you know there have been Asian people who've dyed their hair blonde or brunette and it's not uncommon nowadays but for an Asian woman back in the 50s Mm. and especially if she was going to be brought up traditionally conventionally square kids she wouldn't have touched her hair no she wouldn't have gone i want my hair to be blonde no (laughs) she would have just been let's put them in rollers and fluff them up (laughs) yeah which is it's so phenomenal i feel like it sets the bar for what everyone in every production should be given the opportunity to have those conversations because it's so important no matter the role no matter how you identify to be able to have those conversations because it's like we talked about earlier you're telling a story that is going to inspire the next generation and being able to have that other huge layer to add to this character that everybody already knows it's like almost getting to see an entirely new show I feel um, with not only yourself but also Laredo, it makes it, it changes the story in such a wonderful way. And obviously, you would have auditioned for this quite some time ago. But what was the audition process like for this show? A <laughs> uh, fun story. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was actually in New Zealand with Steph and Alec, who were on once with me, and oh, we were yes. just holidaying. Yeah, and um. We were in Rotorua or something, and we were actually talking about the Rocky Brief. I was like, oh, I haven't received the Rocky Brief. I don't know who's been asked to audition and stuff. And then next minute, I get an email from Leah. It's like, oh, we'd really love to see you as Janet. Um, Can you send in a tape in, like, two days? And I was like, I'm in Rotorua. I can't can't film anything. (laughs) Um, I know. And so I asked for an extension and they they're so beautiful they were so beautiful about it. So got an extension. Once I got back to Auckland, I had to organize with my aunt. I was like, "Well, you're at work. Can I just go to your basement and record something?" I didn't have the right equipment. I don't have like backing tracks or anything. And I was like, "Okay, laptop, phone, you'll do." And a, yeah. a cup that holds my phone like that. Yeah. <laughs> and I did a couple of scenes. I did a song and I was like, this will do, right? This will oh be fine. <laughs> well, yeah, Leah was so beautiful. And she was like, yes, okay, let's let's have another Zoom. Let's talk about this. And then I'll send it to the international team. We had a few, like, rounds over tape, pretty much. And when I was back in Melbourne, uh, I went in for a callback. And I think it was after they'd done rounds of auditions with the other people, the the big ones and I turned up at the audition room and I was like am I the only one here because like the place was empty the lights were down there was no like no one there (laughs) so I was like I must have either come to the wrong place or have the wrong date but no it was just I don't know if there was any if there were anyone that came after me but I was one person there and the whole team was there. 
Yeah, it was it was really funny. Oh it was really mind blowing to me. I was like, okay, we're doing this, but it was a lot of like fun. Good and bad because you're not like then waiting with a lot of other people, being like, oh, comparing yourself to other people and like, oh, what role are they here for? But then you also don't have like the camaraderie of you're like, yeah, we're all in this together and we're all going in for these auditions. It's literally. <laughs> Just you're like, you. oh, you're just seeing me. Oh, oh, just me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> sorry, sorry, you're all waiting for me. Sorry. <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry if I was five minutes late. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we just did, like, um, we did this a few scenes a couple of times. They coached me through it. I did Touch Me, Superheroes. Um, <laughs> and we did the time warp. It was oh a lot God. of fun, but I was like, okay, ready for a dance call. And they were like, yeah, you're doing it by yourself. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> so, no, they taught me the entire thing. They were so beautiful about it. Yeah. But I was just like, oh, it's just myself going there. Yeah. The in front of that whole table and it's just you in a dance call. Yeah. That is my worst nightmare. But I mean, at least it's an iconic dance, like the time warp, which you could probably go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I know where, like, I know where we're up to. Okay. Oh, my God. There was a lot of acting involved. I was like, let's sell this. Yeah. I guess, like, at least you know that you have their whole attention because it cannot be anywhere else. Exactly. That's amazing. And I guess talking about time warp, and I don't know if this is going to be the answer to this question but do you have a favorite song in the show to perform i really love to do touch me yeah of the ones that i personally like i sing and, yeah and yeah because i've got a fear of heights and the first time that we did a lift i was like oh, we're doing lifts oh no but now i really enjoy them because they're the fun of it. Yeah. You literally go on stage and you're being lifted into Rocky's arms and you're like, oh, let's go. <laughs> you know, it's such a fun time. I love that. Um, yeah, so Touch Me is one of my favourites and I also really love Wild and Untamed Thing. It's part of the floor show. Yeah. It's so wild. Oh my God, Wild and Untamed Thing is wild. I know that there's heaps of Rocky Horror fans out there. This show, is it is it really different the way they've done it in terms of like they've kept the essence of everything, but it's kind of its own production of it? Pretty much. We came into the rehearsal room not really ex- like not really knowing what to expect, mm-hmm. but the director and the choreographer who are part of the international team Chris Luscombe and Nathan Wright, they they pretty much came from the UK and was like, right, let's make our own version of the show. And, you know, choreography and stuff, a lot of it are similar, but from the ground up, what we've built is us on top of the characters. And there was a lot of creative freedom that went into the rehearsal space. Like Nathan would be like, oh, I really like that idea. I, I liked what you brought to that can we explore that even more and it was never dictated like this should mean that it was a lot of us talking about yeah this matter that matter and everyone bringing their own ideas to the table which was so great to be in that room um and a lot of us are you know at similar points in our career where you know, we 
only have had, you know, maybe tops few years. Yeah. Other than Jason and Miff, of course, and Laredo. But we had a lot of we had a lot of interesting thoughts that were like, Oh, art. How about yes. this? How about that? Yeah. And we were really on the same wavelength. So good to see such collaboration because I feel like you don't often get such a collaborative experience on mainstay shows that have been around for such a long time. It's often you go in, you learn the choreography, you learn the songs, this is what's happening here, and you do it. It feels like such a special experience to get such a large opportunity to collaborate. Yeah, and we did it in such a short rehearsal period as well. Like, the show itself is really short, but in three weeks we had the entire show ready, you know, everyone was also feeling ready yeah. to put it in front of an audience. I don't, I feel like this is, we all have a very similar experience where we thought it was going to be too short a rehearsal period. Yeah. And then by the end of the three weeks, we're like, no, let's bring audiences in. Let's <laughs> get some energy. The show really moves though. It's, it's, it feels so much quicker than I think it is, but it like it the story moves so like not not too fast that you're not following it obviously, but it's really punchy and it gets like you're constantly getting the hits sung at you and because you know them and this it's such good music, it just kind of it just kind of flows on and and I can imagine that's why it didn't feel like oh three weeks that's fine we can do that yeah. No, it was because Act One is forty minutes. It's so yeah. short. Yeah. Oh my god, so I didn't realize. Yeah, I remember watching being like, I think this is feels like thirty short. minutes, but like it it doesn't at the same time. Like what? This is crazy. Yeah, it. Yeah. We go through literally the entire emotional spectrum. It's for Brad and Janet at least. We do. Um, we come in all square, and then by the end we're belting at the top of our lungs going like what is going on I don't know who I am anymore (laughs) and I guess we've we've kind of touched on a little bit but why do you think audiences are still drawn to Rocky Horror after 50 years I think Rocky Horror is such a progressive piece especially for its time when it was written in the 70s like the topics in Rocky are still so relevant now the biggest message from the show is don't dream it, be it. And I guess for the time, you know, it was, it was, it's more common now than it is, than it was before, but we, it's a celebration of uniqueness and it's a celebration of, of just individuality. Whoever we want to be, just be it. Don't be afraid to, do this or do that and we have people coming to the show in costumes in makeup and there are people you know commenting I don't feel judged dressing up I don't feel like anyone's critiquing my makeup or outfit because I'm so out there it's just a celebration of being who you are and having so much fun everyone does the time warp with us in the finale because they're like I've done this for 50 years. Let's do it all together again, which is the best part of it because it's like it's like the nut bush. Everyone knows how to do it. It's just that celebration of bringing people together and the empathy that we build after coming to the show. Mm. You know, like 
It's just so special. Thank you so, so much for coming on and chatting to us today. It was so fun to get to know a bit of your journey and how you got to where you are today and playing this incredible role and touring Rocky Horror, which is just so fantastic. We wish you all the best of luck with the rest of the run and we can't wait to come and see it whenever it hits hits um, Brizzy. Well, it's in Sydney. Well, I mean, I, I will go and hopefully see it before it closes in Sydney. Yes. <laughs> I'm in Brizzy, so I'm hoping it will come to Brizzy. Fingers crossed. Well, thank you for having me on. We'll this was so much fun. Before we go, we do have a segment on our podcast called Bedtime Stories, which is stage mishaps, costume malfunctions, something along those lines. Do you have a bedtime story for us? I do have a bedtime story for you guys. I'll give you a just just a main story and then a sequel. Okay. 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 I'm ready. So there was one was on once. I had gone on for Girl for the first time that matinee and there is this scene where Girl tries to convince the bank manager to give Girl and Guy some funding to make Guy's music. Yeah. Um, so she has this massive spiel of like, you know, these people in Ireland, you guys are the best because, you know, you're the ones that are the backbones of the music industry because you fund us. And I just remember doing like, two of the lines at the start of the monologue and I completely blanked on the lines and so (laughs) so it was just me you know slamming my hand on the table just looking him dead in the eyes (laughs) panicking inside I was absolutely panicking and I just couldn't get the lines back so I just went in a Czech accent I went I lost my train of thought. Anyway. <laughs> That's iconic. That's oh my great, God. though. I would have just um, been, yeah. like, smacking my hand until somebody did something. Audiences live for that stuff. Now, I have to know, what's the, what's the sequel? What's the sequel? The sequel is uh, in Rocky Horror, actually. This was act four or five nights ago. Very recent. Oh, the trauma's um, real. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so at the end of the show, Brad and Janet seeing superheroes. It's like their last number. And spoiler alert, they come in and hug one another. And it's like this real emotional moment for them. And, you know, this is a conscious choice of them staying together and them powering through whatever they've just gone through yes and janet turns away to the door and she walks but she signals brad to come with her she like extends her hand and like let's go out into the sunset together yeah but that particular night while we came together for the hug and you know ethan was spinning me around and i like slid down we're down looking into one another's eyes but we're stuck to one another my corset oh, no. had caught onto his <laughs> button on the jacket. Oh, no. And so both of us were kind of like looking into each other's eyes and being like, let's get this, let's get this out, please, as soon as we can. But we couldn't do it. So we couldn't do the turnaround moment, extend the hand. We, <laughs> we turned together and we're just kind of like, Stuck to one another and walking away like that. Oh no! 
So it wasn't even a situation where you could be like, oh, just like, I don't know, carry me away. It was just like, this is, this is how it is. Side, a side it's shuffle. It's an off. awkward little like crab shuffle together. Yeah. We could not stop laughing. That's amazing. Thank you I for the sequel. That. I really yes. enjoyed it. But the sequel was, look, they were both amazing. But the sequel, just the imagery, amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on and chat to us today. It has been absolutely phenomenal to have you on and get to know more about you and your journey with theatre and your journey with Rocky because it's so phenomenal. And obviously to everyone listening, please make sure that you go and see Rocky Horror. You Currently there are three going to be three opportunities to. It is in Sydney until the 2nd of April. It will then be in Adelaide from the 13th of April and then Melbourne from May 18th. We will leave the link down below for you to get tickets as well. Obviously... Follow Deidre on Instagram at Deidre Koo. Um, obviously, as well, fo- follow her on TikTok. I don't have a TikTok handle handy TikTok right this second. Off. It's the same. Oh, it's, it's the, same. the same. There you go. Follow them Perfect. both. And if you don't, we will know and we will come for you because the TikToks are amazing. Immaculate Sorry, you can't threaten content. people. <laughs> Immaculate content. I will. <laughs> and obviously, as well, Follow Rocky Horror Oz on Instagram for all their updates. And hopefully, maybe, if we're lucky, a Brisbane season. We also have David Badilla coming to the Adelaide season as Frankenfurter. Oh. So he is... I know. I know. My reaction. <laughs> I know. My reaction. <laughs> I need to stop fangirling before Adelaide. <laughs> it's okay. You have, like, a couple of weeks. It's fine. Adelaide strapping. It's going to be so much fun. Well, thank you so, so much for your time. And everyone, go and see Rocky Horror. Um, But until next time, stay happy, healthy, and safe. And we'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.